I was in a coma for six weeks while the doctors told my wife I was going to die. When I woke up, she told me the most fantastic story. My team kept running the business without me. Freelancers reached out to my team and said, we will do whatever it takes as long as Craig's in the hospital. I consider that the greatest accomplishment in my career. My name is Craig Andrews, and this is the Leaders and Legacies podcast, where we talk to leaders creating an impact beyond themselves. At the end of today's interview, I'll tell you how you can be the next leader featured on this show. Well, Mark Jackson is finally known as MJ and has become the go-to valuation specialist for people who want to achieve more in their real estate investing business. In 1999, MJ founded an appraisal company and soon after uh, found his true gift was analyzing property value for real estate investors. Once MJ uh, began investing himself, the floodgates opened. Since 2000, MJ has been able to close real estate transactions totaling in the millions. Investor Comps was created to help clients do exactly the same. Since 2006, real estate investors both domestically and internationally use investor comps to confidently profit every time they buy a property, knowing the right price before they buy. Welcome, MJ. Very happy to have you here. Craig, thank you so very much for the gracious invitation. It was an easy yes to come and share, especially on the topic that you cover, Leaders and Legacy. Um, it's one where it just really gives an opportunity. It's, it's a platform to give back. Um, it's been really unique discovering your story and what you've been be able to overcome uh, in, in what are dire dynamics, but having a team around you, those that poured in and, and definitely gave their appreciation for who you are and what you were in their lives and, and discovering what a strength that was for you to overcome. And, you know, it's like I said, get back in the saddle and, and ride that horse again. But again, thank you so very much for the invitation. I really appreciate it. Yeah, um, I'm excited. I've been looking forward to this. So tell folks, let's do kind of the thousand foot flyover. Sure. Uh, who do you serve and how do you serve them? Well, overwhelmingly, uh, having come from the idea of being an investing appraiser, uh, it was all about serving those individuals that initially domestically uh, in the metro Atlanta area that needed appraisal services for their investing activity. And they really wanted to just do really good deals that would assure they made a profit when they buy as compared to giving it all back and not having the renovation done or losing it just based on time because of holding costs. And there's just a God-given skill that I was able to pour into real estate investors. But subsequently, that turned into investor comps where I could literally have a platform to serve uh, mainly all the major marketers across the U.S. And then that mushroomed into international clients, first in Italy, then Australia. And then we've expanded to five continents where we actively serve real estate investors in that space of really of doing virtual investing, passive income investing, and active income investing. So it's both the individual that wants to get started or maybe has already gotten started and they want to enhance how they do deals. But then we also have an audience that 
is high net worth earners, high W-2 earners, uh, those individuals that have capital they want to deploy, but they want to make sure that the deal they're about to invest in is the right one. That not only is their principal secure, but there is a really strong window of opportunity for them to earn good returns. So that valuation uh, first approach, as we refer to it, is so very, very dynamic as compared to just relying on someone else to say, oh, it, it's a good deal. Now, you yeah. want to really trust but verify. Now, you, you said five continents. How many continents are there? Seven. Seven. Yes. Holy cow. So which ones are you not on? Antarctica. And we don't presently have any clients in South America. We have, but we don't presently have any now. Wow. All right. Antarctica. Yeah, that. I imagine there's not a lot of investing to be done there. <laughs> I'm not going to put it out of the realm. we got a lot of individuals down there that do heavy engineering and other activities. So I imagine there's some individuals down there that um, they're focused on what they're doing and they would like to do some passive income investing. So I'm not going to take it out of the realm just yet. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Five out of the seven continents. Uh-huh. And... <clears throat> I mean, the, the question that comes to mind for me when I hear that is, yeah. you know, real estate can be tricky. I mean, I I know, for instance, like I, I know somebody has a winery who had been trying to buy one in France, but the French government would not let an American own a French winery. Um, isn't that hard dealing with the real estate laws, not only in different continents, but different countries? Well, again, all of the clients are deploying and investing in the mainland and continental U.S. So here in Puerto Rico, these U.S. this U.S. territory, they, we have clients that deploy capital um, and then on the mainland U.S. So we help them really vet and understand the dynamics of the different states that you want to go in. I mean, the most important thing, pardon me, one of the most important thing in investing is you want to be engaged in an area that has four components. Uh income growth, population growth, rental growth, and certainly that last component being a landlord-friendly state. So helping guide those investors, not just on the deal flow that we have within the Investor Comps VIP Plus community, but even as they're looking at fund deals and syndications on multifamily or out-of-the-ground self-storage, we're guiding their efforts on deals that aren't mine through my real estate development company, but helping them make good, solid decisions about other opportunities they see in different market areas. So yes, we we do help and guide them here in the mainland U.S. And it's been more than I could have ever dreamed of, Craig. I, I kid you not. And it continues to be that way as well. You know, that's so fascinating. I, I mean, I can understand a few investors uh, abroad wanting to invest in the U.S., but that's fascinating. I mean, so for for instance, a let's say a German. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any German clients? Um, and I, you know what? I have. To, I don't want to say I do or don't. I know I've got folks in Denmark and Italy and France, the UK. Uh, we have someone that I already said Denmark of Scandinavian, Scandinavian, um, Israel. I don't know if that is that that's Europe. I'm not sure if that's Middle that's East. actually funny enough that's Asia, but let's take Denmark. <laughs> okay. What right. makes so, what makes somebody in Denmark want to invest here? Well, part of it is just this: there's it's the acquisition point. If you're talking about buying a home in Denmark or having an income producing Denmark, 
probably in Denmark, your your cap rate on acquisitions probably going to be somewhere between two to four, very, very expensive. And then if you can turn around at some point down the road and actually increase that cap rate, you only go to what? Anywhere between three or one. So here in the mainland US, as we develop relationships and, and basically word of mouth, I mean, I didn't go meet anybody in Denmark, they were heard. And overwhelmingly, they're able to take their capital deploy here and be able to buy at 13, 14%. And over the course of maybe three to five years, see that cap rate go to nine or eight. And that allows them not only to earn a good interest return while holding, but then be able to recognize a gain in equity as they release that asset. So, but that same thing, if I can, can happen in California, where you know the mar the cap rates are very, 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 very strong, and you really don't. And if you don't have you know two million dollars to deploy, you're not going to be able to do a transaction where. And then you you you're not able to minimize your risk. Where maybe in the southeast, we do a wealth of transactions in the Georgia market. You can take a million and do ten transactions, spread your risk, and enhance. Your overall, not only ongoing returns, but certainly an increase in equity over a period of time. So those are the things that is, I mean, Australia is the same way. I mean, the cost of doing or acquiring a rental property can be $1.5 million. And so without that substantial capital in play, your ability to actually earn good passive income and watch your appreciation go up is daunting. So that's been the attractive thing of all, you know, any number of different things about engaging in the U.S. markets, both technology, manufacturing, electric cars, but in the case of the space I serve and know very well as being single family affordable real estate. Yeah. Well, and I like the fact that you have foreign money flowing into the United States. You know, I just think about from, for the economic health of the United States, uh, economic health of any economy, you know, you could take some small town in Georgia, yeah, and and well, let's let's take. Um, hey, I just drew a blank. What's the name of the Masters? Where the Masters is? Augusta. 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 Yeah. Yep. You know, think about the amount of outside money that's brought into Augusta just for that, yeah. And what that does for the community, it's. It's a benefit for the community to have more money coming in than you have going out. Well, it is. It is. that, And that that I mean, even the tax code uh, based on the dynamics in uh, going down a, a little bit of a segue. You have the Augusta rule where you have people that will literally lease their house out for 14 days or less. And it happens during the masters when it takes place the first full weekend in April. And literally the amount that they can lease that home for will cover the entire mortgage for a year. And it's completely tax-free as long as it's not more than 14 days. Well, imagine um, even myself. I mean, I've had property in Hepzibah, Georgia, just outside. Hepsiva, Georgia, just outside Augusta. And I would take the opportunity working with, uh, pardon me, <laughs> working with NCOs. I'd say, listen, I need my place for a week. Can you, can you let me have it? And I'd give them a little bit of a discount on their monthly rent. And then I would capitalize on that dynamic. Now it was, gosh, we're talking about going back to 2005, something like that. So it's been a while, but overwhelmingly, you make a substantial point of being able to pour uh, foreign dollars into, in this case, a very, very specific market area for good success. And those dollars, for all intents and purposes, stay in that market. That, that, we need more of that in the U.S., that's for sure. 
Yeah. Well, let's let's pivot and talk a little bit about leadership. You know, so obviously you're you know, you're impacting the lives of of many. What <clears throat> what does leadership mean to you and what what does being a leader mean to you? Well, if I can, let me add a, a word to that. Uh, I in in and through my team, I talk about being a servant leader. It's you know that very basic dynamic that yes, um, there are certain skill sets that I've nurtured and grown over time, and but with that, I need other team members so that we can actually do more because no one person can do it all. I certainly don't want to be the smartest person ever, but by being a servant to the different department heads, my finance department, our property management department, our client relationship department, nurturing and supporting them and not only allowing them the space to have ideas, bring solutions to challenges, and then we engage with it together. Uh, so for all of our good success. So being a servant leader is really the space that I, I, I feel most dynamic, comfortable and fruitful in for those that I engage in in the business world. But then, of course, that translates to family and, and other relationships as well. So really being that servant leader is something that it, it's life giving is really what it is. It is it is definitely life giving. And I would imagine there's a lot of people that uh, servant leaders a little bit Hard. You know, maybe they just haven't heard that term, or maybe they they've mm. not been exposed to it, or they've they've right. heard it, but they didn't know what it meant. Okay. Uh, so if if I'm sitting down with you and you say, Craig, uh, I really think you should focus more on being a servant leader. What would be things that you would tell me to do? How would I put that to work? Yeah, uh, it, certainly it starts with seeking to understand. Yeah. Uh, then be understood. We realize that comes from seven habits of highly effective people from Stephen Covey, but it is a tremendous principle within those seven habits. And so it's the idea of allowing as a servant leader, one, embracing the concept, ask questions uh, that gets your team members involved and engaged with the growth, stability, and production within any organization. Welcome their voice, not just in terms of a mechanic, but then be actively listening and determining how their idea or component or the action they're taking can have benefit for your organization. And then making sure that you repeat it so that you they know that you heard them. Uh, there's a, a unique practice that I was taught um, when it comes to engaging with the team from my mentor. And he says, you want to utilize when your communication, a love sandwich. And I, this is, I use it all the time. To, I use it today is when you're getting feedback and information for a team and, and you immediately see, wait, 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 wait this needs to be done differently. The very first thing you want to do is acknowledge the communication with gratitude for the effort, the intentionality that the team member has made. Then offer suggestion as to how their idea can be enhanced, um, massaged to actually produce um, not only their desired result, but the overwhelmingly important result that you know that is there. And then again, close with thanking them for engaging in offering, for one, bringing a problem up, offering a solution, and then moving forward with uh, the suggestion that enhances their idea. 
So that love sandwich is a very, very powerful tool. It's easy to use, but you do have to think about it. It's not so much just firing back and responding. And that way, we're able to not only demonstrate and teach what it is to be a servant leader, but helping others live into it as well. Yeah. Well, and that that that's so impactful when I think about the the ask questions, the um you know, there's an assumption baked into what you're saying. Um, and that is when you ask a question, you have to be listening. You know. <laughs> yep. Have have you have you run into people that ask questions and you realize, oh, you really didn't care about my answer? Always. I mean, those those dynamics, but then that's another opportunity to be again a servant leader where you're you, you get into the dynamics of again making sure that they're understanding what they just did. And in, in some cases, it will help them move beyond and, and work to become a better listener, because that's not something that happens overnight. But it demonstrates the power of what being an active listener can do and impact helping that individual know that you heard them, but you're also trying to help them. Yeah. So if you could... <clears throat> You know, if you could write someone's talk at your at your graves site, you know, you you know that I you know I had a kind Ooh. of an interesting opportunity. I Man. most people thought I was a goner, and so I had a chance yeah. to see how people responded. Right. Um, but if you could sit down and write what somebody would say at your grave site, uh, the legacy that they would speak about, what would you want that legacy to be? Yeah, I, more than anything, I I really believe in just five simple principles, kind of think of it as a rise to live and it, that prayerfully I'm pouring this into the world that each and every day um, they could see that I awaken with gratitude for the family, just life itself. Our health is our wealth. Um, that uh, MJ is one of those individuals that realized anything is possible, that you could do your first full Ironman having never done a triathlon before at 55 years old, and then get so excited about it that you utilize it as a platform to work towards celebrating your 50th wedding anniversary, that in doing that, realizing anything is possible, it takes intentional focus on specific activities and engagement that, you know, he really did strengthen not only his mind by reading and caring and pouring into others, but also his body as well. And as a result, there's so many different things in terms of relationships that he held, friendships and family, that he did go forward, touching other people's lives, executing with excellence, never settling for just doing something any old kind of way, but doing it to the very, very best. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, yeah. What was a white knuckled moment where your leadership was put to the test? And wow. you 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 had to set a path. It, you weren't sure how it was going to work out. What happened? What was it and how did it work out? Yeah, unfortunately, it happened three times. It took the third time for me to really um, wake up. Um, after college, I went into the hospitality industry. My father was a, a culinary chef. So I went to college got a business degree, and then immediately went into uh, working as a manager for Church's Chicken. 
but I got robbed at gunpoint three times. Oh, and that was something that it took, of course, being calm and, and patient. And so there was some leadership demonstrated there amongst the team members that were present. But the other thing was realizing that if I'm going to have a family, I was married with two young children, and there was a different leadership that I needed to embrace to, for their safety and protection for my own personal worth living into this world. And so those, those that, that the first one, okay, it was like part of the job. The second one, oh man, I'm just tired. Of this. Why do I, you know, but the third time was one of those where literally you're going to have to do something different, MJ. It's, it's not what you actually have to give and pour into the world. So leading uh, as a father, leading as a provider had to be done uniquely and very, very distinctly different. And I utilize the memory of the circumstance to even lead and guide the activities that we take place and do today. That's, it's a powerful story. I, you know, I, I'm trying to think, I, I don't know if I've ever met anybody who's been robbed at gunpoint. Mm, yeah. I, I don't I, wish just, on anybody. <laughs> I, what, I, just out of curiosity, everybody responds differently. Uh, I would imagine your heart started pounding, did a handshake. How, how did you, what, what was your response? You know, it's it's unfortunate because I, I was in the New Orleans market area and it just happened to be one that was in the 80s um, challenging and you just knew that there were violent circumstances taking place. So, yes, you do fear for yourself. Uh, you do see the, um, you know, to some degree, your life flash before you. However, unfortunately, is also one that you weren't surprised. And that, that's why it took three times because it was like, okay, this is just part of the job. We get robbed. Um, no, life should not be that way. I hope I've answered the question. No, that's that's great. And no, I appreciate you sharing it. I like I said, I don't think I don't think I've ever met anybody who's been robbed at gunpoint. As a matter mm -hmm. of fact, I don't know if I've met anybody that had a gunpoint at them in anger. And I I spent yeah. six years in the Marine Corps. It was fortunately a pretty peaceful time. Sure. Um, sure. But um, well, MJ, this has been wonderful. We've uh, we, we got wrap up. Um, and so if I understand correctly, you have a newsletter. It, it, how much how much is the newsletter? Uh, no, we uh, we enjoy just pouring into folks. That's another one of those servant leaders. So the investor comp newsletter comes out every single week and I take time to engage on those topics that are are hitting the new cycle and dissecting them, especially taking again and positioning from a valuation first approach for the clients that we serve. But we are always in a posture to be able to have open hands to give so folks can really get the information they need because the last thing you want to do is rely on someone else to tell you the value of a deal. You want to be able to analyze that for yourself. So glad to share that with your audience. It is absolutely my joy and pleasure. So how do people reach you? How do they get the newsletter? Yes. Yeah, so there's a simple link. We can put it in the show notes in there. I'd, I'd be lying to you if I told you I remember off the top of my head, but um, for folks get in touch with me, they can reach out via the 
markjackson.com, themarkjackson.com. And uh, as I've talked a little bit about our VIP Plus community, maybe mentioned it once or twice for those virtual investors, um, always willing to jump on a call, and that is at vip.investorcomps.com forward slash schedule. And of course, that is completely complimentary to block out some time to care and share with those in your audience. Well, thank you for that. And we will put the link to the newsletter in the show notes. So if you're listening, just go to the show notes. It will be there. MJ, thank you for being on Leaders and Legacies today. It's a joy. Thank you so very much, Craig. And continue good success to you and the show. This is Craig Andrews. I want to thank you for listening to the Leaders and Legacies podcast. We're looking for leaders to share how they're making impact beyond themselves. If that's you, please go to alliesforme.com slash guest and sign up there. If you got something out of this interview, we would love you to share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show, including the hashtag Leaders and Legacies. I love seeing your posts and suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss anything, please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to my team. If you want to know more, please go to alliesforme.com or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.